Well, welcome back to Rebuilders. My name's Liddy, and I'm here as always with Mark Sayers. How are you? I am staggered. Staggered? After oh my. start of season six, and I think of the entire time, today's pastries was the most magnificent. Big calls happening here. Yeah. yeah. But you're standing by it. Yes. Daniel, would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yes. Kudos to Via Porter. Mm. Provided we, we purchased. Yeah. <laughs> Currently not sponsored. <laughs> no I did go there and obtain yeah, them yeah, 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 with yeah. money. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. We've kicked off on the right foot, so mm. to speak. Uh, it's been a while since we've done any recording. And so, as always, beginning a series, it's probably important to take stock of where we are at at mm. the moment, um, what's happening in the world and what does it look like to actually lead in this context. So let's start with where we are. Mark, has the pandemic finished? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah. It de- it As I laugh maniacally I laugh over maniacally. here. You're listening in 2030. Yes. No. Uh, is the short and answer, and that's um, the end. Yes, and we're done. <laughs> and we're done. Um, I mean, it's it's fascinating when we when we you know if you think that eighteen months, if we said to us eighteen months ago that we'd be here in eighteen months, I think a lot of people would be surprised. And you know, go back to something we said last year, which was that you know we s- were trained by the world and formed by the world and Western culture to see things as events when yes. this is actually a process we're living through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually think that the pandemic hasn't changed the world, rather the pandemic has signalled a change that was already occurring in the world. Okay, yeah. The Nobel Prize winning um, economist Robert Schiller made a really interesting point that before the pandemic happened, people were already speaking in the language of pandemics and epidemiology. Um, in a sense, we've all become amateur epidemiologists now, like we're used to a lot of the language around the virus because it's been so central to life. But... Um, you know, before it, people were talking about videos that went viral. They were talking about the spread of disinformation and fake news, like it was sort of a bacteria in a system. Uh, people were talking about the stock markets at this feverish high. And so it's really interesting that that language of pandemics was already at play. And I think the reason for that is that pandemics and viruses like COVID-19 are the examples of complexity. And so what we're living through, the big change in the world, so as I said, COVID didn't change the world. COVID is a signal of the change in the world. Mm -hmm. So the signal is that we've moved from a complicated world to a complex world. Okay, so I think it's going to probably be important to unpack the distinction between those two words because at face value they feel kind of interchangeable. Uh, What is the difference between a complex world and a complicated world? Yeah. They sound the same, and we do use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you could be mistaken to think that isn't complexity just a whole bunch more complicated. You know, like, um, but really, if you need to think of them as two types of distinct systems or the ways that the world can operate. Okay, I got a quote here from Margaret Heffernan, which helps us understand what a complicated environment is. Mm-hmm. Margaret Heffernan, who's a business writer, writes about leadership, um, says complicated environments are linear, follow rules and are predictable. Like an assembly line, they can be planned, managed, repeated, and controlled. They're maximized by routine and efficiency. This is a really important quote, and there's a few things in there. So number one, she's saying that a complicated world, things go in a linear fashion. Yep. 
they tend to follow rules and they're predictable. Now, just stop and think about leadership for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our leadership thinking, we like it when things are in a linear uh, uh, sense because they're predictable. And then if we understand the rules, then in a sense we can move things towards success. Yeah. And she mentions there the assembly line, which is really interesting um, because in many ways in a complicated world where there were challenges, one of the great challenges that the world faced in the 19th century is how do you make stuff but make it to a consistent standard of quality that the world can be more developed. Yeah. And there was a, a Christian guy, a Quaker, called Frederick uh, Taylor, and he invented really what is modern management, um, efficiency, production, where you look at how you would make something, say a microphone, and you break up that task into the different parts, find the best practices for them, and then make sure everyone's doing their job efficiently to reach those best practices. And then you could, in this linear fashion, guarantee what Margaret Heffernan says there, which is routine and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you think about it too, that um, this is really how so, like 90% of leadership training, our leadership imagination, and then I would say following on to that, how we do church these days. If you think, how yeah. do most churches run? It's programs. So in a sense, the church and the contemporary church um, is most essentially at its core contemporary, not because of the worship, but because of the way that it runs according to this linear, repeated, routine, efficient, best practices, programs to advance the kingdom of God. And ultimately, there's not, I guess, anything wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. You're not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but that there has been a change. Yes. And that we potentially can't continue to operate that way. Yes. So- I mean, we run programs at Red and mm-hmm. we you know, do linear things and we will continue to do that. But if you think about it, probably the most linear thing that we do as churches is the repeating pattern of Sundays yep. and the repeating pattern of um, uh, like programs that we run through the year. Now, depending where you're listening in the world, you might have your sort of yearly break in the middle of the year, perhaps if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. For us, you know that in Australia – we have our Christmas holidays. That's the big holidays. You come back from that and you know that pretty soon you're going to have people turning up to your church who have moved jobs, moved to the city, uh, looking for a new faith community. Mm. And so we set up our programs to maximize that. You know, Then you're sort of getting people embedded by Easter yep. you know, into discipleship groups or whatever and you just sort of rinse and repeat. That has been my experience of church for mm-hmm. decades, except in 2021, January. It was a very <laughs> different world. We faced a reality where there was not this sort of – the year didn't seem to start. It was it was strange. We didn't have a lot of people going on holidays because of lockdown. We had people for the first time in a city like Melbourne, which has been growing at such a rate my whole life, people leaving the city um, for the first time. One in five Australians currently is considering moving to the country in the next 12 months, mm. um, which is a whole new trend. So what happened there was the linear system worked – but we'd actually moved from a complicated system into a complex system. Okay, so I think it's probably going to be helpful to understand a little bit more about what a complex system actually look like. Looks yes. like. So whilst uh, a complicated world is linear, yes, you do this, you do that well, and then you get onto the next stage and you keep going until you reach success. Mm. Um, yeah, so and success, I mean, yes. for the church, what, what does that even mean? Yeah, well, again, you go back, right, like you think about it and you think that so much of the, the you know, like if you think of a mass industrial culture as particularly 
you know, was at the high point of the American century in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, after, I mean, it started to sort of fall apart a little bit in the 70s, but after World War II, there was this high point of industrialization. The car factories of Detroit were running these industri industrial, uh, you know, plants and lines. And church, as we understand it now, in its form of, um, you know, the contemporary church was running programs that took large amounts of cultural Christians and tried to make them better Christians. Mm -hmm. And you could just run those programs at scale. You had a sort of, they talked about mass culture. And in a sense, you had a sort of mass public. Uh, what we face now is a very different um, reality where the people that you have in church, it's so much more complicated. It's a multicultural society, people in all different places with their faith, all different political things going on, all different lifestyle things going on. And what that means is that programs which don't, uh, you know, understand complexity and increasingly going to run into trouble. And I think that's also behind a lot of what's happening, you know, around cultural Christianity. It's like cultural Christianity is burning up, but also the things which used to serve cultural Christians are not working anymore because a mass of cultural Christians, as we once understood them, is disappearing. So this change is exactly what you're saying um, around, uh, you know, how do we measure things? It's no longer, you yeah. know, backsides on seats. Um, numbers are the king and data <laughs> is yeah. the king in a, uh, a linear uh, a sort of environment. To answer your other question, what is a complex environment? A complex environment works, the first thing we need to know, a complex environment works according to a very different set of rules mm. than a complicated uh, world. It's a non-linear it does not go uh, in a line. Oh, we're going to read this quote. There's a good quote here from computer scientist Ted Lewis from his book, um, The Age of Extremes, um, where he says that the he's talking about the change that's happened in our culture. Mm -hmm. The comparatively straightforward industrial revolution, that's his language for the complicated age, Yes. Yep. has morphed into an era of non-linear change punctuated with tipping points. The machinery of the current century is a collection of interconnected complex rather than smooth running systems. Gradual and linear change no longer happens. Instead, progress moves in bursts, fits and starts, marked by waves of unimaginable flashes, sparks, booms, bubbles, shocks, extremes, bombs and lips. What a quote. Great quote. Just to help me to understand this, if I think about a machine, piece of machinery from know, like a, a, a car built in the 80s, there yes. was kind of this, you could pull it apart, and you know, right, the battery, fuel, carburetor, I know, engine, exhaust pipe kind of thing. There's kind of this, this flow chart of sorts of yes. how a car needs to run versus is what he's saying here, like a computer or a smartphone or artificial intelligence type of thing where there's, it's not just here's the pathway. It's like mm. all these different elements, trigger points mm. um, that actually uh, come together to form this mm. system. Is that kind of the... Yeah. We, another way to think about it is imagine a personal computer. It's got circuit boards, it's got casing, it's got power source, it's got this computing power, right? Um, in a sense, it does follow a, a linear you know, progression. Yeah. Mm. Now, think about what happened in the world. So the stage when there were just all these personal computers, not really connected, all of a sudden, when those computers were connected to each other via the internet, it actually became something else. Mm. It was bigger than just the linear process and the bits and parts of those individual computers. Mm. Um, now, think about that when the first iterations of the internet, which was a lot of computer scientists, many of which were in like California, maybe some places around America. Um, think about that. 
it goes to a degree of complexity. Now think about all the interconnected, interconnected computers in the world, all the things going on, people talking to people in Pakistan, you know, different languages, mm. different cultural things going on. It's so much bigger than just a linear process of let's all connect the computers up. Um, so we have this, you know, different set of rules that that's going on um, in, in a complex system. Okay, so if a so can I add one one oh, more one more sorry to go um, for your to interrupt. life. Uh, I mean, another way to think about this, right? Like, um, say you invite three friends over for a dinner party, right? Um, you can probably work out what to cook. Um, you can probably work out, you know, what made people talk about. Maybe you play a game afterwards, whatever. You can work out because you know the tastes and likes of those people. Do you set conversation starters exactly. when you have people over for dinner? Do I? Yeah. <laughs> no. We have deck three of, conversation, conversation cards only. Wow. <laughs> Russia is on there. On <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Go, That's go, right. go. Um, so imagine then you have another three good friends. It's a bit more fun, maybe a bit louder, maybe change the game. It's linear. Okay, try 300 people coming to your house hmm. from your neighbourhood. Try 5,000 people coming to your house from all different parts of the world, speaking different languages, different cultural expectations, mm. different understandings, mm -hmm. religious backgrounds, taboos of what they can eat, what they can't eat, what they take their shoes off or not, you know, entering your house. The complexity begins to change and that dinner party runs on a very different set of rules if you move it from three people to six people if you move it to 6,000 people from all over the world. So it's it's almost a complex world has so many variables. Yes. Whereas in a complicated world, there are a set number of variables and that you almost expect. Yes. So the complex world is this, as you've already said, a non-linear yes. space. Can yes. you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So again, too, like if you think about linear works in equations, you know, two plus two equals four, mm -hmm. right? Let's use um, pastries, right? Now, you enjoy pastries. Obviously, everyone on this podcast enjoys pastries and hopefully more of our listeners enjoy pastries. Um, okay, so like you, you've just had a pastry you like. Um, now, it follows that if I um, give you something else that you enjoy doing, yeah. um, I know you like looking at um, different words and their meanings and where I they do. come from. I've um, looked so, up a few good ones over the last couple of days, I can tell you that. So it follows that if you are doing something that you enjoy, right, yeah. um, and uh, you are eating this pastry, you're yes. enjoying that, and you're reading about an interesting word, that's something you yeah. enjoy. Yes. Now, if we put on a favourite music track, okay, that probably still you have got to play in the background, that's probably okay. Yeah. So it then logically follows that the more things that we add that you enjoy, the more happy you should be. So if we then if we then just increase that a little bit and yep. we basically put also on your favorite movie. Yep. At the same time, I know you like Seinfeld. We also put I on do. Seinfeld episode at the same time as your favorite song, favorite movie, favorite pastry, favorite looking up a word. If we invited over 12 of your favorite people to spend time with, mm. plus also um, did your favorite exercise routine plus your favorite savory meal, there's a point where you're not going to enjoy this. This is actually going to become a horrible experience. So it begins to change and become more complex the more variable. So it doesn't go in a linear progression. A linear yeah. progression would be we add 12 things that you like, you're 12 times happier. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, or I consume one at a time Yes, as it progresses, whereas yes. in the complex world I am engaging with all of them at the same time. And so to be, to be successful in the complicated world, you break it into parts and move through it in a linear fashion. 
yeah. and you progress through it and everyone's happy and you can control that and do that well. But in a complex world, everything is happening at once. And one of the, this, this is an example of what they call power laws. So these power laws, can yes. you explain what you mean by that? Okay, so a power law is that things – we expect that something small should have a small effect mm-hmm. and something big should have a big effect. That's how it tends to work in a complicated environment, in a linear environment. But in a complex environment, it can be all backwards and forwards. A small thing can have a massive effect. Now, okay. some of us know about this. Some people who are listening might have heard of the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle named after the Italian sort of sociologist, engineer, renaissance man, Vilfredo Petto, um, who basically worked out that 20% of inputs result in 80% of out, you know, like consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and that people apply that to productivity saying, actually, it's 20% of what you do that gets 80% of the results. We okay. think that oh, if I work at 100% in a hard, I'll get 100% good results. It actually doesn't work like that. So in a sense, it's like an uneven playing field is how actually complex environments work. Um, another example, again, very pressing, is if you'd said to a bunch of senior pastors who are running very big churches that are very strong with multi-million dollar budgets that the biggest threat to them that's actually going to stop them even meeting on a Sunday for a period of time will be a tiny invisible almost without a microscope uh, piece of infection at a cellular level in a city of Wuhan, which they may never have heard of in China. They would just not believe you. They would think it'd be something big like the government shutting them down and instigating Mm -hmm. a wave of persecution. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID-19 is the classic example of how such a tiny thing can have an entire, I mean, you think about the size of the world and the levels of change that's come from COVID-19 in in comparison to how small the first few cells of COVID-19 that got out into the world you know, was. So that that's an example of, of how power laws work. It's the classic cliche, you know, a butterfly fla- you know, flaps its wings on one side of the world and creates a, a you know, a cyclone on the other. Yeah. So, okay, with that in mind, why do power laws actually even exist? Yes. So power laws, um, you know, exist because in a sense complexity is a system. A complicated world is a line, like a production line. Mm-hmm. A, a complex system is like a network. Now, this is yes. what we talked about before. It's a bunch of things connected. Again, go back to that computer example. Um, you know, if you've got the linear computer, 
Yep. But then you connect everything up to each other. There's a lot more things going on. Someone yes. in that system can release a um, – it's it's like when people were releasing those like Albert Einstein or, you know, Abraham Lincoln, you know, quotes and then people just started making up quotes mm-hmm. like and yeah. C.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lewis once. <laughs> you know, you just release something, you know, some kid somewhere, you know, some 14-year-old kid puts that into the world and then, you know, people are f- false quoting, you know, C.S. Lewis. How many uh, 14-year-old kids do you know that are making up C.S. Lewis quotes? <laughs> There's only one. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a disproportionate influence on the entire world, that uh. one 14-year-old. Um, you know, so there's this sense where what happens is in a system, it's not linear. It's all bouncing around in, in different, you know, directions. And that means things change. Mm-hmm. So change happens. And again, too, you think about the pandemic, um, you know, it comes along and then what keeps happening? The virus keeps mutating into variants. This is what complex systems do. You know, there's Delta, there's new ones, you know, already they're, you know, talking about coming. So, for example, in the early part of the lockdown, people were saying, oh, schools are fine, send kids to school. Mm-hmm. You know, what they're finding in places like Israel now is that actually schools and in, and in parts of, you know, Scotland and so on, schools are now spreading it because the virus has changed. Yeah, okay. So what worked last year may not work this year. Just, just one other example on this, which I thought was an interesting one. It's it, when the pandemic hit, um, there's a lot of churches for the first time had to deal with the reality of going online. There were already some sort of churches were innovating, going online early, and then it happened. And what everyone was talking about for about six months there was the future of online church and how church is going to be online, it's going to be hybrid, et cetera, et cetera. I had this question of like, what are the people who predict the big like things in the world? What's the next crisis they're predicting? And it was interesting. I noticed a number of people are predicting what they call the digital pandemic. World Economic Forum, that was one of the big things they talked about, mm-hmm. which is this idea that the internet actually become may become increasingly unstable in the future. That actually, if you just look at the last few months, we've had massive ransomware attacks all across the world. You had mm-hmm. part, you know, people struggling to get fuel on the eastern seaboard of the US, the health system in, in Ireland that went was down. The, the meatworks. Yeah, the, meat works yeah, 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 I mean, in multiple countries. Yeah. Um, and you've got criminals, you've got countries doing cyber battling, you know, you've got even infrastructure going down. And so one thing they're predicting is that parts of the internet could become inoperable for times. You know, you think how dependent on the internet we are, the internet of things, which is now in cars, how your surgery could be dependent on the internet. A flight that's in mid-flight could be you know, dependent on the internet. Yeah. So they're predicting that, you know, the next crisis could be that the internet becomes inoperable for periods of time or becomes really hard to use and that perhaps the era of smooth internet where it just works, um, even the fact that there's different countries, like China's almost creating its own internet now, Russia's creating its own internet, Turkey and so on, uh, you know, America, that you know, all these churches like adapt to go online and oh, that's the linear thing. So that's the natural progression of the future, mm. cyber. And then, you know, 2025, the <laughs> internet goes down and you've got these churches like going back to the 1970s. Um, that's when we'll start recording uh, rebuilders on cassette tapes. Yeah, so, so please send a self-addressed envelope um, <laughs> to to uh, us, our, P- our PO box in your I nearest capital city. We have one of those anymore. No, uh, exactly. We'll need to get one. Yeah, get, get that on our, our risk assessment. I'll pop that on the list of things to do. Okay, so you mentioned the term cascading. Yes. Now I'm imagining a beautiful waterfall. Mm. out in nature mm. and, you know, water cascading down it. I'm guessing it's something to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine this, right? So it's things are a system, right? Okay. So imagine a pond and into the pond you throw one rock, you see these ripples come out. Mm-hmm. 
Now you throw six rocks in simultaneously and all the different ripples bounce off each other, creating yes. different effects. Yep. So what happens then is that crises and inputs can begin to bounce off each other and interact. And this is what Malcolm Gladwell wrote about. He wrote a book called Tipping Point, The Tipping Point Some People Might Have Read, which is when something almost goes viral and then cascades through the system. Got another quote here from the historian Niall Ferguson who says this, the world we've built over time has become an increasingly complex system prone to all kinds of random behavior, nonlinear relationships and fat-tailed distributions. A disaster such as a pandemic is not a single event. It invariably leads to other forms of disaster, economic, social, and political. There can be and often are cascades or chain reactions of disaster. The more networked the world becomes, the more we see this. Classic example recently was Israel was being trumpeted as a country which has beaten, um, you know, like had you know done one of the fastest vaccination rates in the world, had one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. There were literally, um, you know, images of you know people having dance parties in the street, not wearing mm. masks. Then Israel, um, then all of a sudden, about a week after, then you know falls into this conflict, you know, in Gaza and all the pre-existing issues in Israel and Palestine come to the surface, and everyone's forgotten about you know, the high vaccination yeah, rate. Yeah, yeah. The now there's now rockets falling from the sky. That then settles down, and then uh, Israel is faced with the Delta variant. And mm. they have to have masks again indoors. So this is how different things, and we're seeing this in the world at the moment, where um, you know, it, it, really, we have multiple. COVID isn't the one thing necessarily accelerating everything. Yes, it has accelerated some things, like you know, perhaps hybrid working from the office at home. But if you think about it, at the moment, we're facing COVID, which has created an economic crisis. Some of which was already there. Yeah. The way that governments around the world have gotten through the 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 um, uh, crisis is through printing money and borrowing huge amounts of money, which is kicking the can down the road. Mm. There is now fear around inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, we're coming out of an era where people have wages have not gone up, but people have still been able to maintain a good lifestyle because you could borrow money very cheaply. And you had places like China, which were producing really cheap stuff. Yep. That's changing as China sort of, you know, does this dual circulation thing with the world. Um, so, you know, you have a huge potential economic crisis in the future. You've got the disruption of things like Bitcoin to, our, mm. to monetary policy and mm. centralized banks. You've got an environmental challenge. Uh, we've just seen in Canada record heat waves, droughts in California. Um, you know, we had a summer at the beginning of 2020 here in the Southern Hemisphere of fires in mm -hmm. Australia, in South America. Um, you've got technological change of the increasing destabilization of the world of the internet. You've got several billion people who are going to come online uh, in the next few years. You've got automation. You've got uh, AI. Uh, you've got this massive geopolitical shift in the world as you've got a rising power challenging the United States as the world's sole superpower, no mm -hmm. longer the world's sole superpower. China's moved from its sort of quiet growth in you know, Deng Xiaoping um, you know, sort of, you know, encourage China to grow, you know, sort of hide its strength. Now it's stepped out into the world stage. Um, you've got a political shift happening in the world of populism, where what you've got is you've got an aging population who are wanting more, um, you, know, you know, in a sense, the government needs to provide for, particularly at the moment when there's less money around, we're having to print money and borrow money. Um, you know, you've got rise of populism, you've got all kinds of culture war things coming out of America now across the whole world. And all of these different crises bounce off each other in a complex environment. Just to, just to put this in, in 
you know, what does this mean for someone listening? You just think about many you know, pastors who have reached out to us, mm. you know, the pandemic hits. When we did our first podcast as this pandemic was hitting, and, you know, I heard from pastors who are on board with that. But then what happens is, you know, particularly think about the United States, you've got um, a pandemic uh, already on the back of a political polarisation that's affecting the nation. You then had um, all of a sudden um, through uh, George Floyd's death caught on video, small input into the system mm-hmm. um, has a huge reverberating effect, which, which taps into deep underlying unresolved issues. Um, so then all of a sudden, like, I'm in a pandemic, we're not even meeting, but now how do I address this issue of race? Well, how do I do that? Well, you've got competing voices, political polarization. Then all of a sudden, people who'd moved to cities, because, well, that's the linear progression of the future, cities of the future. All of a sudden, you've got people leaving those cities, people leaving that church. All of a sudden, you've got, you know, disinformation, you've got conspiracy theories, you've got people who are joining QAnon, you know, and all of this is absolutely swamping leaders in complexity. So this means that. In a sense, what's happening is COVID, to repeat, COVID is not the thing that's changed the world. COVID was a signal of how the world is changing from a complicated place to a complex place. I guess, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear all of those, you listing all of the things that are happening in the world. And um, the first thing I would say is that if you are a leader at the moment and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, go back to that list and remember there's probably (laughs) significant reasons why that's happening. Mm -hmm. But um, also if you are a leader, a Christian leader at this time, um, there's actually a real invitation Mm. um, to you to, Mm. um, yeah, seek an alternative Mm. uh, message. And for me I think like it's been really interesting the language of you know how do how do we return to normal or what is the new normal mm. and I actually think what's happening is the world is returning to normality we actually lived in a really bizarre stage of history again i just talked about before like that money was cheap yeah things were like cost virtually nothing it was not normal to like order something from the other side of the world and it arrive in two days, mm-hmm. you know, like. We were used to it. We were used to it. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and you know, around here there is houses, uh, there's empty blocks um, I've walked past and they were, you know, a house was meant to be built. They can't get frames of wood mm-hmm. because the pandemic has then created a supply chain issue in the world. There's all these people who are not spending money on travel in the last 12 months who are now spending on renovating their houses and to get a piece of wood, the whole world wants a piece of wood at this time. Mm. And all of a sudden, everyone's ordering stuff online. That means there's like shipping crates and even the pallets that they make out of wood to put stuff on to get out of the Amazon thing means that some guy's house around the corner from us here can't be built because they don't can buy a frame. Mm. You know, so this is an example of the world we were living in was not normal. This is more normality. If you read history, every period of history is crazy. Like it's mad like, and there's multiple complex things going on. And I think one thing that this does is if you think about one of the stories that we were told as the church was that history was going to go in this linear path to an inevitable secular future. And the things were just going to slowly improve and as things slowly improve, people wouldn't need God. And that was the story. That's a totally linear, complicated world industrial age story. Mm. The complex future that like the complex world has many potential futures. The fact that we actually can't predict the future is actually a good thing mm. because God has many room for surprises. 
And I just sort of talked about before pattern breaks. You know, I just saw a thing, I think it was in The Guardian yesterday, three quarters of Britons re-evaluated their lives in the last 12 months because mm. of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. A little change in the system of people just staying home. I know that sounds like little compared to, you know, being bombed in London during the Blitz, say. Um, you know, that makes people seriously re-evaluate. I mean, I look, yeah, probably bad analogy is like a lot of people died in, in both um, the pandemic in London and, and the Blitz. But these things in the world, even Australia where we haven't had the death tolls and even in places in Australia which has hardly had any lockdown because of our COVID zero approach, people are still rethinking their lives. Mm. So a complex world has many more potential futures. And I think this moves us as leaders the temptation of a linear, complicated world where we could just, what's the best practices, run effective programs, and just keep rinsing and repeating that to the future and running that to success with efficiency and productivity could lead us to hubris. And I think one of the great things that the pandemic has done, great as in huge, is it is a humbling experience to mm -hmm. any leader. Yeah. And any leader who thinks that they can, you know, predict and then bet on it and move forward and run a program to scale, you know, the pandemic and the complex world we're moving in and we will continue to be in after the pandemic is vanquished, uh, that that is a place which is going to resist hubris. This is an invitation into biblical humility. And, you know, the Bible always says that the powers are humiliated, that on the cross Jesus triumphed over the powers, humiliated them. And all the authorities, all the systems in the world are being humiliated at this time because they don't have answers for a complex world. Mm. So in a sense, the world seems overwhelming, but I think the world has always been overwhelming. And that actually pushes humans back to God. So there's an invitation in the midst of that. And what that does is actually forces us into dependency. Um, you know, we'll still plan, we'll still run programs, yeah. but we'll do it more humbly. And we do it with a sense of dependency. I think the last thing I wanted to say is power laws and the thought that, man, there's something out there which is such a small input that completely could, you know, upend my 2022 plans. <laughs> it's, it's sort of scary. The good news of that is the flip side of that mm -hmm. is that the kingdom of God also operates with power laws. Yeah. That actually those who are weak from an earthly sense actually are powerful in the kingdom of God. Someone who seems totally opposed to God can change in a, in a second when the Holy Spirit falls on them. Things which are sacrificial, which seem hidden in your individual life that you sacrifice and give to God actually can have this huge resonance that people sitting somewhere <laughs> recording like this can actually be heard from someone on the other side of the world mm. and actually encouraged um, and that can have this, this, you know, resonance in the kingdom of God's economy. So the actual dominant thing is not to be afraid of the world. Actually, I think this is an invitation to have less faith in the mythology of the world and have more faith, move from fear in what seems like unpredictability to faith in God and the fact that his power laws are playing out in the world and he'll move history towards his ends and all our faith has to be placed in him. That's an incredible invitation for leaders. Oh, such a good way to um, start this season of Rebuilders. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Pleasure. For giving us the, the big picture of where we're at. Now, we'd like to invite you, if you are a regular listener of Rebuilders, even if this is your first time, if it has impacted you, if it's helped you in your leadership, 
we encourage you to do a couple of things to support us. First of all, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can also go to our website, rebuilders.co and subscribe to our mailing list, which we are just starting to set up. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have your support. And as always, uh, we pray that this uh, episode has been a blessing to you and that it encourages you in your leadership in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Pastries. Thank you.